Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. epic world, the world of the greatest empire the West has ever known, Rome. How about that for an opening, folks? Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are here today to talk about the classical world at the movies. And we are going to review the 1963 famous, highly over-budgeted epic Cleopatra, and who better to discuss this film with us than the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Hi. So Cleopatra is is a well-known film to people, even today. It's been almost 60 years since this film was uh, released. It's well-known because it was just known for its budget overruns. Uh, it practically bankrupt if i'm not mistaken 20th century fox it got a lot of people fired and of course there was the smoldering love affair between elizabeth taylor and richard burton that captivated the world but what was this movie like so just very briefly it this film was released in 1963 okay and it was uh written and directed uh one of the writers but the sole director was joseph mankiewicz a fantastic filmmaker um, who, you know, he'd been a writer in Hollywood for years. Um, he had done, uh, he directed uh, Guys and Dolls. He directed Julius Caesar. He was an ext- you know, extraordinary filmmaker. His brother was uh, the writer, uh, along with Orson Welles, of Citizen Kane. And so he's, he's you know, Hollywood royalty of sorts, right? Yeah. Um, and then you've got Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, two of the biggest stars in the world, uh, Burton certainly was an amazing actor, uh, an incredible force, and Taylor and Burton were uh, just the the famous love interest of the era, right? You know, the the, the famous couple. So oh, yeah. that's our setting. So we have this now. Elizabeth Taylor is going to play Cleopatra. We've got this big budget movie. They're spending a lot of bucks on it, uh, and so let's launch into the history so gary tell us a little bit about cleopatra the woman the actual historical figure well cleopatra was one of the most famous women of history and uh, and so her story is really epic and it deserves a a great epic film to do and unfortunately the 1963 film cleopatra was not it as we'll discuss um <clears throat> but um she uh, came to rule Egypt, and uh, the reason she did is uh, she was a descendant of uh, the Ptolemy family, and uh, Ptolemy I was one of uh, Alexander the Great's generals. So uh, when Alexander was sort of, uh, you know, uh, distributing control of his empire to various people, he gave Egypt to. Uh, Ptolemy. <clears throat> so, so Alexander 
goes on his conquering spree and then dies. And of course, his kingdom, his empire has to be split up amongst his or has to be ended up being split up amongst his generals. They took their own spheres of influence. And the particular sphere of influence that the Ptolemy took uh, included Egypt and yes. a little part of the Middle East. So, so <laughs> this was so she's descended from the the general of <laughs> Alexander the Great. Yes, and um, now the thing is, I've heard this referred to before that uh, Egypt's most uh, famous queen, meaning Cleopatra, was not Egyptian; she was Greek, totally Greek. Oh, so you're saying that's true, not that you just heard it, that that is, in fact, the case. Yeah. And um, her mother was uh, believed to be Cleopatra V, mm-hmm. uh, Trifonea, and and she was the king's, uh, Ptolemy's wife and possibly his half-sister. So, in other words, uh, she, uh, in, in a sense, was born of incest, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Now, they took that on, even though that was not a Greek or a Macedonian, the region where Alexander was from, a Greek practice, they adopted the practices of Egypt. So even though they were Greek and came into Egypt, they adopted Egyptian culture and practice. She she did, not totally, because there was some Greek architecture in Alexandria, you know, the city founded by Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where she eventually ruled from. But... um, she adopted Egyptian clothing and so on. There's uh, statues of her with that on, uh, crowns and so on. Um, and she actually uh, emulated uh, the goddess Isis, Egyptian goddess. And she believed that she was supernatural and everything, you know, or at least she promoted that to the Egyptians so that they would, uh, you know, respect her. Let's get the time frame for this as well. So this is the first. Born about, uh, as the history says, either 70 or 69 BC. Mm -hmm. So the first, the last century before Christ, the first century BC. Yeah. Um, And she's now we're talking about an overlap with Julius Caesar. So what's going on in the world is Rome is the, the great primary power of the ancient world at this point. And. We have uh, now a battle for control and power in Rome uh, amongst uh, Caesar and some of his rivals. Uh, so it's the triumvirate. Uh, Caesar is triumphant, but of course that doesn't last long because on the Ides of March, which just passed uh, this month, March 15th, he is assassinated. And he's assassinated by Roman senators. And then that leads to yet another split, a civil war, another triumvirate, a battle amongst the people, some of whom had supported him. And principally, we see in this film a battle between Mark Antony and Octavius, who would become Augustus Caesar. So that's sort of the setting. This is Rome is transitioning from a republic. And that's the other thing to remember that when Caesar... When Julius Caesar takes power, Rome had been a republic, and it was really important to Romans that they are they were republican people. They didn't want kings. They didn't want tyrants or dictators. They thought of themselves as a free people, and <laughs> suddenly now there's a shift, and the shift becomes a shift to the, the great strong man running an empire. At least that's what the people trying to take over felt. Right. So that's kind of where we are. And then so... I'm sorry, Garrett, continue with Cleopatra's relationship in this. Well, Cleopatra, her father was uh, 
Ptolemy the twelfth, and his name was also Olides. And so when he died, uh, Cleopatra became, uh, in other words, the, the throne passed to Cleopatra, and she was only 18 years old. But also she was a co-regent, also passed to her 10-year-old brother, Ptolemy the Thirteenth. Uh, That's what I was going to ask you. So there was, they, she had her own battle uh, yeah. for control. And she vied with her uh, brother for power, and she eventually went out. So she wins out, and in the film, she certainly it, it it is appears that she wins out with the help of Rome. Correct. Well, eventually, yes. Right. Okay. So, so that's kind of the setting. We have the setting of Cleopatra trying to take power. We have Julius Caesar at the beginning of the film, um, who is, who arrives and he's vying for his own power, his own might, uh, and Cleopatra. First, her connection with him, then her connection with Mark Antony, who is played by uh, her twice husband, if I'm not mistaken, Richard Burton. Um, so let's talk about this movie, Gary. Let's jump into it. First of all, for the listener, the movie is over four hours. And yeah, it's you're four, not gonna... four hours and um, uh, eight minutes. Um, and I recently saw a list of the longest movies Hollywood ever made, and Cleopatra was next to the longest movie. Yeah, it's it's four hours that you're not going to get back. Yeah, um, right. It's it. The thing that stands out for me is they managed to make a four hour epic seem to be about nothing. Like it's just, there's all no, this it, great it, history and it goes it just on and on and on. on is boring as all get out. Uh, I fell asleep twice. I actually fell asleep yeah, twice. Yeah. I had to I had to wake myself I, up. I think I did in the theater the first time I saw it. Uh, so what was it like when you saw it in the theater? Like, what was the reaction of people? Was the theater crowded? Was it full? I mean, was... Yeah, was it- because, uh, you know, like Cleopatra and Caesar or Cleopatra and Mark Antony, uh, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor were just so famous and people were just curious to see them together, you know, mm-hmm. in this great epic. And by the yeah, way, a, it, the 1963 mm-hmm. film cost $44 million, which was just a, a obscene in that day. It's a huge. I mean, the one thing I say that they, I, I will say that was well spent with the money. The only thing I would say uh, would be the sets. I guess in secondarily, so two things: the cinematography. I thought that was the that aspect of the film. I thought it was a very lavish, visually rich film. Yeah, that's about the only good thing I can say. Yeah, about that's it. about the only good thing anybody says about it when you have yeah. critics reviewing it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a sumptuous film to the eyes. Again, that's about it. So people in the theater, what was the reaction? Did people fall asleep? Did they walk out? What well, it's been so long ago, but I I don't know. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious because I there, the reason I ask is I fell asleep twice watching this. It's four hours long. They have an overture. They have an intermission. It's like just yeah. kind of wild. you know. I just And I was just picturing people getting up in the theater, going to the bathroom, and going home. Because it's just well, they, there's just nothing going they, on. They, they probably did. It's been so long ago. I can't remember what happened. To be honest. So the the film. So and then talking a little bit about film. When I say it's four hours about nothing, it takes even the sequence where you get Julius Caesar. So I mean, okay, just so to get the whole through the plot of the film, we start off with Caesar arriving in Egypt and meeting Cleopatra, and then we move through and and trying. And I think he's looking. Uh, uh, well, what you know, what uh, Caesar was doing, and, and he was 
played okay by Rex Harrison, you know. And, yes, I will say Rex Harrison and even Burton, except towards the end, they had some pretty good performances. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but anyhow, uh, Caesar needed to, to fund his own return to power in Rome. And so he went to Egypt to get that money. And uh, so, but essentially when he did, you know, Rome took over Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and when he came there, uh, his forces outnumbered those of Ptolemy the Thirteenth. you know, Cleopatra's uh, brother, who, by the way, Cleopatra was, he ousted Cleopatra for a while there, you know. And then uh, he was forced to flee, and, uh, and I think he was assassinated. He was supposedly drowned in the Nile. Yeah. <clears throat> And when Caesar arrives, he's looking for Pompey, correct? He's looking for Pompey, right? When well, he gets to Egypt. Pompey was ex- executed by Cleopatra's brother. Mm-hmm. So this thing, for the Caesar, think Caesar of this did, as a world war. You know, a world war is taking I, place. I believe that, um, you know, uh, her brother gave Caesar the head of Pompey and thought that he would like that. Mm-hmm. And Caesar was disgusted and everything, you know. Was, and, um, you know, that... You know, you have an adversary, but they need to be treated honorably, you know, that kind of thing. Well, also, he's another Roman uh, noble. So yes. for Caesar, that is just unthinkable. You know, that's unthinkable. Yeah. And he's to be executed by a foreign power. To a Roman, the idea is we settle things ourselves. You don't need to settle them for us. Uh, and so so he's he's there. He's there chasing Pompey. And she's there battling for her own supremacy. Well, no, she... She sneaks in. There's a famous uh, supposed thing. Oh, right, of course. She's she's in, well, she's in where, where she, where she, she was there, yeah. in a rug, and then the, they unroll the rug, and then she rolls out, and then she greets Caesar. You know, uh, which they showed in the movie. Uh, I mean, that's that's the way legend had it. Whether it's true or not, who knows? Uh, but anyhow, then you know she's labeled as a great seductress. You know, a, a, a femme fatale. And uh, so she, uh, you know, as they say, seduces Caesar. She has a child by him. It's called Caesarian after him, mm-hmm. meaning little Caesar, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in about 46, 45 B.C., she, she goes uh, to visit Caesar in Rome. And then Caesar is assassinated, as you said, you know in uh, 44 BC mm-hmm. and then uh, and then and, and by the way when she came to Rome she had her uh, great entrance into Rome which is shown spectacularly in the movie that that I'll grant it you know she yeah a, that's the stuff the film does well so she comes into Rome and she's, she's, a she's riding on a giant uh, float uh, you know shaped like a sphinx and uh, and um no, it's pretty amazing. And one, one thing I do want to say is that some aspects of the way they show the entrance are a little dated. I think there's some things that may be, uh, for people, they may be offensive in terms of like uh, racial depictions, things of that sort. Yeah. But the the lavishness of the film, the way it's shot is pretty exceptional uh, in that scene and, and gives you a sense of being in ancient Rome at the time. Again, How the one spectacular thing it was, well. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Romans did have spectacular parades, and they did have floats and all that. So, it's it's a uh, it was a possible thing. Mm-hmm. 
So we see this. So the film opens. We see the scene of Caesar arriving, searching for Pompey. He's been decapitated. Now uh, we meet uh, Cleopatra's brother, and then he's you know vying to get the, the the support of Rome for the throne. And then Cleopatra comes in seduction. She gets Caesar. She gets the throne. And the, she the, and the brother is Rome. the brother is uh, uh, assassinated and eliminated. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's again a, a fascinating scene. Now you talk about the seduction. This is the thing. Okay, let's talk about Elizabeth Taylor. So here's the thing for me in this film. You know, Cleopatra. You want this kind of like larger than life figure. Now, though, just so because uh, as some of you will know that we, I there's a sister podcast that we have called Make Matriarchy Great Again, Disrupting History on our other channel. So we, I, I'm very you know much talking with uh with Johnson Allen and I both co-host the show we talk about how women are portrayed in history what about history so there are aspects of Cleopatra's um bio that you must as a listener understand are being told from a Roman point of view and from a Roman point of view of people who are not supportive of her who had problems with her history is written by the victors so with that in mind the created Cleopatra that we know of is she's this grand seductress, right? Now, far be it for people to uh, remember, and they should, is that she. this is a woman who spoke multiple languages, I believe. Uh, Twelve languages. Twelve languages. So this is a really brilliant woman. Yeah. But we receive the idea that she's just a seductress. Okay, working with that, you would want Elizabeth Taylor to at least, I mean, this is a beautiful woman. You would, you know, and so it's, she's a screen. She's one of the screen goddesses of the old days. You would figure that that at least could be brought out by the director uh, in terms of the, the on-screen kind of chemistry, the on-screen kind of power, but that does not show through. Elizabeth Taylor really is the, maybe the weakest link of the film and she's Cleopatra. Like yes. her performance is so problematic. Yeah, she's not. She's not seductive. She's not powerful. I just kept picturing she. She belonged in one of those pillow talk movies, those yeah, rom coms. Yeah, really, really. Like that's really where her character fits. Like she should be like a petulant romantic comedy heroine looking to find a husband. That's the way she's portrayed in this movie, as opposed to a great queen in history. Exactly. So it, it, it's yeah. really weak. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, so anyhow, Caesar is assassinated. She, she, frankly, flees back to Egypt. Uh, and then you have the aftermath of Caesar's assassination, where Mark Antony, uh, you know, uh, goes after the assassins, you know, Brutus and Cassius. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh-huh. and uh, he chases them to Greece, and they have a battle there, and uh, and they're killed. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but then uh, you have the rise of Caesar's uh, nephew, you know, Octavian. Oh, I just might have to might add, uh, as Gary, as you know, I cannot stand Octavius Caesar. Augustus Caesar was a weasel, um, and he's played well. This is one of the good performances. He's played yeah, by Rod- a- Roddy McDowell. Yeah, Roddy McDowell. He is just because. Every battle he got sick before every battle. Right. He suddenly got you know got the vapors and had to lay down and didn't actually fight with the troops the way at least Brutus. I mean, um, well, Brutus, yes, but Mark Antony did. So yeah, he just was very much a weasel. So you know, okay. but so it, now you have that 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 conflict. But the legions under his control knew how to fight. When, when absolutely, 
And so anyhow, they have the great sea battle Vactium, mm-hmm. where Cleopatra and Mark Antony have their ships against Octavian ships, and Octavian wins that sea battle. And that's an interesting sea battle because it is, you know, uh, having just watched it, so it, it is, you know, done with with you know on the on the ocean. So you get some really beautiful images. There's this really wild kind of like as they're as Cleopatra's following the battle, they've got ships on a board, seeing who's you know which ships have survived, what battles have been won. They set them afire, but they somehow manage to make this most crucial battle, one of the most crucial battles in world history, boring. Yeah, I mean, completely boring. It's unbelievable. It's the weirdest thing. Like they they had the magic of this film is they took one of the most passionate, exciting, sizzling periods in human history and made it just uninteresting. Like okay, like this like you could have been telling a story about a guy in you know some small town in Iowa. I mean it just doesn't it doesn't have any well, plus, power to it. You no, know, plus the special effects were cheesy. They used uh, boat models. They didn't even look good to me. Well, I as I looked at it, that it didn't that I did not see. I did, did not think it that looked quite as cheesy as as you did. I look it maybe it shows up better, holds up better. More what it was for me was just the way it was edited and cut. And, and, and you're surprised about Mankiewicz, who did such a brilliant job on, uh, you know, I mean Cleopatra inspired Julius Caesar. He wrote that play Cleopatra and. Uh, uh, and and then uh, oh, he was an extraordinary director. He was an exceptional. The, Manquist, the Manquist family. Manquist you know. did Julius Caesar, and uh, he did a wonderful job on that film. Yeah, no, he's an exceptionally, exceptionally good uh, filmmaker. There's no question about that. This is just one of those things. I, it happens to everyone. I mean, every great director, almost every great director, has you know a strange turkey. You know, they have a strange uh, a film where it's like, how did you direct that, or what was going on there? So. Um, and this was just his. And again, for what it's worth, I, I would like to, maybe this could be another podcast, you know, take a little dive into what went wrong with this film and how it went wrong with it. But um, yeah, did not. Well, you know, Sorry to is, get the battle. Uh, uh, it, it did show, you know, it, it was great on sets and grandeur and stuff like that. It just had right. a lousy plot and, uh, and you know, presentation. But well, who knows? Maybe, it, it maybe, show, he had, maybe he had he had bills to pay. You never know. Yeah. Like he just wanted to. It did get show Cleopatra's it. famous barge. You know her glorious. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Mark Antony uh, quote summoned Cleopatra to the city of Tarsus in what is now uh, uh, south of modern Turkey, mm-hmm. and so she sailed up there in her famous barge. You know to impress him, which she did, and then uh, you know as. History I've been reading says she seduced Mark Antony, you know. <laughs> so yeah, another seduction thing, right? And um, well, well, we get this battle, and and, and, and she has she has children by him. She had children by him, right? That's what someday we'll we'll talk about that in, in terms of the quest to find you know, you know Cleopatra's tomb and, and Cleopatra and, and all that stuff, and where you can look through that. Well, but, the thing is, they've never found the tomb. Uh, Right, exactly. But there, you, you did say that there are people who think they may have found it. Yeah, it's, now, it's right? a, a woman archaeologist. Uh, she's from Central America, I think, and uh, she's been searching for it. And she claims she found it at a place called uh, Magnus Lepsa or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. but she hasn't, you know, because the tomb is going to be elaborate. I mean, you know, this is. Uh, <clears throat> 
you know, that, that, that's what they did in those days. And those, they're so famous, too, you know, that uh, the tomb has to be elaborate. Well, it will be interesting to see how that unfurls. So anyway, we get and, this And the thing is, to, to show, um, you know, after Mark Antony is defeated, he goes back to Cleopatra, and they show that in the film, you know? Right, yeah. So the, this is the um, Battle of Actium. And, and the and thing is, um, there's a scene where she goes to visit him, and he's sitting in a tomb, you know, waiting for Octavian to show up with his legions, and that's going to be the end of him, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he knows it's coming. And she basically asked him how he's doing. He says, oh, uh, me and my tomb mate are doing fine. And I thought that was so corny at the time. Well, that's a corny scene. I mean, that is the strangest scene because it's Burton who was absolutely one of the great actors of the 20th century. He's an exceptionally gifted actor. And it's almost as if he's freestyling, so to speak, as he does this scene because it's like, it's it's out of context. He has this long speech. It just it it doesn't seem to fit or make sense. It's just it it, it comes off more. I mean, I, you know, when of, I saw this as a yeah as crazed, a, I guess as a kid, I, I winced. You know, I thought, oh god, you know. Yeah, it, that you, I did the same thing actually because of the way it's delivered. It's he's trying. To, he God bless him. He was trying to find something as an actor. He was he was looking to to anchor this sequence, this speech. To something, but there's really nothing to anchor it to the way it's constructed and the way the scene's constructed. So anyway, so we're near the end because we're actually coming near the end of our podcast. So now we're near the near the end. Well, anyhow, I, I, take us to the I end. liked epics as when I was a kid. I mean, epics that inspired me was like the Ten Commandments and and especially Spartacus, which I, I still think is the best sword and sandal movie ever made. Agreed. I agree with you. And uh, but Cleopatra was like the uh, among the worst. Well, how does it end, Gary? Just tell the viewer. Not that we haven't had 2,000 well, years well, of knowledge of it. It anyway. ends. They show Cleopatra, and supposedly uh, she's, she's uh, you know, she meets up. Octavian uh, takes over Alexandra, and he's going to uh, take her to Rome and parade her as a captive, you know, uh, down the streets of Rome in a victory parade. And she doesn't want to do that. So she goes into a chamber, locks herself in there with a couple of her handmaidens, and uh, legend has it that she took a poisonous snake called an asp because it was uh, sacred to the ancient Egyptians, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and she had the snake bite her, and so she died of a snake bite. Okay, spoiler alert for all of you out there who haven't been paying attention for 2,000 years. Um Okay, so that's the end, the end of four hours of our life of uh, that we won't get back. You know, the so, thing Gary, is, there's been, uh, there's an earlier version of Cleopatra, you know, with uh, Claudette Colbert back in the 1930s. Um, uh, the account of uh, the story, the most prominent ancient Roman account was by Plutarch and everything. Mm-hmm. And now they're talking about making another film about Cleopatra starring uh, the Israeli actress uh, Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. Or G- G- Gadot or Gadot, I don't know how you pronounce her last name. I think it's Gadot, but again. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure. Again, I, I uh, while I think she is uh, you know, a fine actress, I don't think she was really suitable for Wonder Woman. She's just not Amazon enough. And yeah. I don't know if she really is, would make a good Cleopatra, but we'll see. I have my doubts, uh, too. I, I, ha- I have my doubts as well. So, Gary, in summation, um, 
in our using our scale of five shields, five shields being the best, uh, no shields being the worst. How many shields would you give the 1963 Cleopatra? Uh, either, it's either a one or a two, two at the most. I give it a one shield. Um, I And that one shield is almost entirely, or maybe one and a half uh, to be charitable. That one shield is for the, the visuals, which yeah, are beautiful. Yeah, and that's what stunning. I'm trying to say. Not yeah, for the script and, and not for the acting. And yeah, I, I'll give half a shield because some of the performances were okay. So let's give it, I'll give it one and a half shields uh, for this. So. That is our take on the 1963 Cleopatra. Um, and like I, one review you, I read said, you know, it's a turkey of a movie. <laughs> so. Yeah. If, if you just, if you have nothing to do on a Sunday and you have complete free time and just want to see pretty pictures in the background, sure, put it on, turn down the sound. If I want to fall asleep, uh, you will uh, definitely, I would say, uh, this is a good film to help you go to sleep at night. So with that, I, I want to thank Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. This has been the 34th Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. We have been doing the classical world at the movies. We were talking about the 1963 Cleopatra. Thank you all for listening, and God bless. We'll be back soon. Take care.